the year disasters or grief or sorrow are, are hard things to, to take into account. But particularly, it is difficult and heartbreaking at Christmas time as we go through those difficulties. Those of us who are older that, that have gray hair, I guess, uh, might understand that mingled with the Christmas memories of presents and families and joyful celebration with people are also some more somber Memories of sickness and sorrow, and sometimes even of bereavement, which plague our minds. And if we pause long enough, all of us, even as we're going about our our celebrations and, and all the things that we're doing this Christmas season, and we look around us, we will see that there is much distress and pain, even in the world in which we live. And we might experience sometimes, even in the holiday season, strained relationships or in our families or, or financial difficulties. Maybe we see families that are homeless, that are hungry and cold, people who are, are lonely, uh, without family and friends. Maybe you know those that their Christmas celebration consists of opening a cold can of ravioli and eating it with their cat or something like that. Or maybe elderly people who can only sit or lie in bed in a nursing home and just faintly remember Christmas past that were much better. All of these things in many ways are are very sad and tragic things that happen even on Christmas. As a matter of fact, at Christmas they seem to be harder to handle. So I guess you could say a a season of presumed celebration makes those hardships even more apparent in our life. Now, at this point in time, you may think, wow, this guy is a Debbie Downer, you know? What's he trying to do, you know? Trying to ruin Christmas? No, not at all. What I want us to see is is that the first Christmas when God sent his son, it's an account that really relates more with the reality of life than we might first think. And it deals with the real world in which we live. Sometimes I think even... uh, as Christians, as we celebrate, we, we sort of uh, might even isolate ourselves from some of the difficulties of this world and sort of forget those things. But God meets us right where we're at. He comes to us even in the world that we're at. And we see even in the first Christmas uh, some of the tragedies that occurred. I mean, just to even think, to begin with the whole story of the first Christmas that we read here in Luke, it's set in the background of the greatest tragedy of all, and that's humanity's sin where Adam and Eve uh, rebelled against God. They sinned against him, fell, were cursed, and and they deliberately and willfully rebelled against God and walked away and, and then chose to freely turn their backs on God and the life that he gives and the joy so that they might walk in darkness and sin and death. And so then the very necessity of Christmas in and of itself is the greatest tragedy of all times. But I think there's other things as we look at the Christmas account that we, it's so easy for us just to sort of gloss over, you know, the, some of the difficulties that occurred at the first Christmas. You know, we have the cute little Christmas cards, right, with Mary and Joseph on the front and, you know, Mary's on the donkey and, and Joseph is leading the donkey. And we think, oh, isn't that so cool, you know? But I think we forget oftentimes the long and the difficult journey of Mary on the back of that donkey and uh, and during those late months of pregnancy, any of you ladies who have given birth to kids, you know what I'm talking about. 
I know my son and, and daughter-in-law were not able to come home for Christmas because she's due here in just a, about a month. And the doctor says, you can't go travel to Kansas from Michigan. And so they had to, to be homebound. But Mary, here she is on this donkey traveling these uh, dangerous and difficult roads uh, to make it to Bethlehem. And then this young virgin girl giving birth to a child in a barn and with no help except that of her husband. And then after Christ is born, they go to the temple and there in the temple they meet this man, Simeon, who rejoices in the Lord that he has seen the Savior. But then he says to Mary, he says that sorrow will come upon her like a sharp sword that will break into her heart or her soul, prophesying of when Christ would die and the pain that she would endure. And then even their flight that Joseph and Mary needed to take across the Sinai Desert to flee from Herod and his soldiers as, as Herod heard about the Savior that had born. And we sort of cut it off right there at Matthew where the wise men saw Jesus and they worshipped him. But if we read on in Matthew, we, we read that the wise men were warned by God to go home a different way and don't go back to Herod. And Herod was furious when he heard that. And so he sent his soldiers out to kill all the little babies, boys, two years of age and younger. And so on that first Christmas, you had the slain of all those baby boys and the weeping and the wailing of mothers crying over their little boys who would never grow up. And what I want us to see is, is that the world back then was just as real as the world that we live in now. That sorrow was just as keenly felt then as it is in the world that we live in today. But it was into such a world that God came that first Christmas morning. Not to speak empty platitudes, but to give us a message of hope in the midst of the tragedy in which we live. The angels who sang with joy, as we have sung about tonight, um, they knew the earth's sorrow and woes, but they had a message that would conquer all sorrow and bring eternal peace and joy. They announced the birth of a Savior, one who would come and would walk, would live the common way of all men up to and including even death itself. They told of one who would come to save God's people from their sin and their rebellion against God. You could see on that first Christmas night, the doors of heaven were flung open that night for the human race uh, that they might hear the good news of how they could have a relationship with God. The reason for the angel's song and source of their joy was that God had an answer for sin, which is the root cause of all of our troubles and our sorrows. And so he sent his son, Jesus, the Savior. Now the Savior's name is called, as we read in Matthew, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that is the heart and the soul of Christmas, that God is truly with his people and so tonight as we come and if we have faith in Jesus Christ in the midst of all of life's complexities and tragedies, we have Emmanuel, God with us. He walks with us through each trial of our life and of our faith. He goes before us in each battle of life. He is the captain of our salvation. 
And He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for God our Savior, Emmanuel, is with us. The human race has one of its own now in heaven. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, sits at the right hand of God the Father. And Jesus is there in heaven in the flesh to give us assurance of our Father's house that it has many mansions, or some translations say many rooms, to show us that that's not just an illusion, but it is real. That the hope that we have as God's people is great. That is the glory and the triumph that we look forward to as God's people. And so even if we come tonight and if our hearts are heavy because of some difficulty or trial, maybe there is a sense of mourning the loss of loved ones that you have lost uh, either around the holidays or some other time of the year. Uh, and that weighs heavily upon your heart. If they knew the Lord Jesus Christ, then they are already experiencing the hope of glory. And why we may miss them greatly and wish that they were here with us. We would never want to take away from them what they are experiencing now. As they see their God face to face. And we look forward as his children one day ourselves to leave this world and to stand before God and to worship him. Now we sit in a room. We gather as God's people and we worship him. And when we lift our voices, we do so with the saints of heaven. The difference is they see God face to face. And what a glorious time that will be for us as his people. Well, in the years of, in the, years of the early church, when the people of God were crushed and oppressed and persecution was happening all around them, Christians oftentimes fled to the refuge of God as Emmanuel, God with us. It was their link with eternity and their hope for things not seen. You see, the things in this world were hard. They were difficult. People, their loved ones were dying. And so they needed a hope much greater than just that of this earth. And they found that in the Lord Jesus Christ, God with us. In those days, there was a word which Christians used, which was really a prayer. It was the word Maranatha. We read that at the end of the book of Revelation. It means, come, O Lord, or come quickly, Lord Jesus. And it was a fervent prayer for the glorious return of Jesus Christ. This hope was their hope, and it is the only hope that we have today. That even as we live our lives upon this earth, you know, today as we are surrounded by a flood of, of tragedy, all you got to do is look at the news and see the things that are happening around the world and the things that can oftentimes depress us. And when evil seems to be so triumphant, we need to remember that God is Emmanuel. And so we join our voices at the service tonight with the saints of old, with whom we still have that mystic sweet communion to say, Maranatha, Emmanuel, come Lord Jesus, God is with us. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and meditate upon the word that was spoken tonight.